Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. to share this morning kind of it's an exhortation it'll be pretty sh- short I think and some of you are like amen to that um, I asked the band to stay up here we're gonna sing another song or two at the end and um, we're just gonna trust God to, to move in our midst so our theme for this year is breakthrough and today is week six of our series on the topic and uh, I hope that you're getting something out of this I hope it's been helpful to you hope it uh, that it's encouraged your faith um, that you've been encouraged to believe for breakthrough in your family and in your life personally I'm not going to do a long review I'm just going to go back to last week. We talked about consecration out of Joshua chapter 3 and circumcision, Joshua chapter 5. We talked about a life of separation. And I asked the question, what separates us from those who don't know Christ? Are, Are our lives the same as everyone else? Do our lives look different? Is there anything that makes my life different from someone who's never encountered Christ? Do I listen to the same music? Do I watch the same movies? Do I use the same language? Am I just as anxious, worried, and fearful about the future and the situations I'm going through as those who don't know about God? Is there any difference? Is there any separation? And we talked about how God calls us to consecrate our lives. God told Joshua Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. The amazing things doesn't come first. Consecration comes first. And we talked about how there needs to be a cutting away of that which is unnecessary in order to move into our promised land. In the book of Joshua, it was a physical circumcision In our lives, it's a spiritual circumcision. Everybody said, thank God. (laughs) Which leads me to the topic of today. So today's title is The Pursuit of Breakthrough. Did you know that there are some people who don't want breakthrough? That there are people all around us who who simply aren't interested Look, I'm aware that consecration and spiritual circumcision and dying to self are not easy topics to talk about. And it's even more difficult to live a life of consecration. But beyond the difficulty and the challenge, there are people who are content with living in their brokenness. There are people who are content with living in their mess. And even if they were offered a way out, they would refuse because their identity is connected to their dysfunction. And listen, I know that God has called us to be content, to be content with our lives. 
right? A life of discontentment and complaining will rob us of peace and joy. I'm not talking about that kind of contentment or discontentment. I'm talking about becoming discontent with life as usual. A holy dissatisfaction with the status quo. A longing deep inside that says, God, there's got to be more than this. Listen to the lyrics of this sacred song written by King David. You'll find it in Psalms chapter 63, beginning in verse 1. He says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. My soul cries out to you. My soul cries out to the living God. Everything inside of me, God, longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I want that to be the cry of my heart. God, there's got to be more than this. Pursuing breakthrough is bigger than pursuing the impossible. It's bigger than just pursuing the miracle. It's bigger than pursuing signs and wonders. It's bigger than pursuing healing or deliverance. And while all of that is and maybe a part of breakthrough, breakthrough is really about a person and his name is Jesus. And we've lost our desire to have a real relationship with Jesus. I don't know the original source of this quote, but I first read it in a book by Mark Batterson when he said, the reason we are hungry for God is that we're too full of ourselves. Pastor Jim Simbala of the great Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in New York says it this way. If someone is filled with a demon, the demon can be cast out. But if we're full of ourselves, that's a different and perhaps even more difficult problem. See, we've unintentionally become so full of ourselves that we have no room for God, no time for God. We give no thought to our relationship with God. And when crisis strikes, we're suddenly jolted back to the reality that we're nothing without our creator. We're reminded of our finite existence. But even in the crisis, we often seek help instead of the helper. We often seek healing instead of the healer. We seek the breakthrough instead of the Lord of the breakthrough. And by his grace... He often rescues us anyway. But like the ancient Israelite nation, we soon forget what he's done and we return to our former ways and we forget him. That's what I love about these revivals that we're reading about and watching videos that are breaking out in college campuses all over America and other churches. It's students crying out to God for more of him. The show, the hype, the performance has all taken a back seat to the pursuit of Jesus. Make no mistake about it, the pursuit of breakthrough, the pursuit of revival, the pursuit of spiritual renewal is really a pursuit of Jesus. We cannot have one without the other. I'm about to look at a passage of scripture from the book of Luke. And in just a few moments again, I'm going to invite us into a moment of pursuit where we just ask God for more of him in our lives. How many of you are hungry for more of him? I don't know about you, but just watching what's happening in our country stirs just like Pastor David was saying, an earnest anticipation that God is wanting to do something. The river is flowing. And can I tell you, it's not just in Wilmore, Kentucky. It's not just in Cleveland, Tennessee, at Lee University. It's not just in Ohio and these other places where pockets of things. The river is flowing. 
And we can look at it. And we can get in it. I don't know about you, but I want to get in. I don't want to miss what God is doing in the land. I want Him, we talked about this last week, to bring a heightened awareness to His presence. Because He's moving. He's flowing. God, please don't let me be blind to your move. Don't let me just look at it from afar or miss it altogether because I'm so self-absorbed. So I'm going to ask us in a few moments as we continue to sing just another song or two, just for more of God in our lives. On January 8th, Katie and I began to have a conversation about pursuing God on a deeper level. And this message, as part of the breakthrough message, sort of began to stir all the way back then. It was my original intent, but God sort of shifted the series around to do this around Valentine's Day because we're talking about pursuit, pursuit of God. And I wasn't sure if it would stay Pursuit of Breakthrough, if we would change into a new series and just talk about pursuit all through February and all of the kinds of things that people do. But our conversation and our, what God was doing in our heart, it prompted us to, to fast in the beginning of the year. Her fast was out of a heart of pursuit and mine was out of a heart of guilt because uh, I didn't want her to do it without me. And I just felt guilty and I was like, oh, here we go, let's do it. And, uh, but I don't find it coincidental that the series and especially the last two weeks of messages are coinciding, coinciding with this simultaneous outpouring of God's spirit in churches and college campuses all over America. Because breakthrough and revival or renewal or whatever you want to call it, it starts with consecration, which is what we talked about last week. It begins with repentance. And that's why we had an invitation last week for us to consecrate our lives once again, inviting people to say, God, separate me. I want to separate my life from everything that's not of you. I'm going to cut away those things that are not necessary. So in Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36, a very popular passage of Scripture, a story from the life of Jesus. It says this, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, He went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. And so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair. She kissed them and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay it back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has been shown. Whoever, But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. 
And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? But Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The first thing that I want you to notice in this passage, and this is kind of surface level. If you just dig a little bit, you can kind of see this, right? Is this woman had a posture of brokenness and humility. She literally bowed low as she interacted with our Savior. Her tears indicate her brokenness and her remorse for her sin. The Bible says that godly sorrow is what that we should experience godly sorrow when we come to Christ. That that's what creates repentance in our hearts. Her tears indicate her brokenness and remorse. Her posture to stoop down and wash the feet of her master indicate her humility. She was saying, I am nothing. You are everything. All I am, all I have is yours. So we have this woman washing the feet of Jesus with her tears and anointing his feet with perfume. But we also have a Pharisee who is indignant at what he saw and at what he considered a waste of valuable perfume. In his eyes, Jesus wasn't worth such extravagant worship. This passage reminds us that in every worship setting, there will be three groups. Number one is the one being worshiped. In this context, it's Jesus. Sadly, in our culture, I think the one being worshiped often gets flipped. Instead of Jesus, it becomes our favorite worship leader or our favorite preacher. We become so infatuated with their charisma, their gifts, their talent, their oratory skills that we unintentionally misplace our worship. We must put Jesus back at the center of our worship because God's glory cannot be shared. And so Jesus, in this context, again, is the one being worshipped and in every worship setting should be the one at the center of our worship. Secondly, we find the worshipers, those who are like this woman, those with a posture of brokenness and humility, those willing to maybe even look foolish. How many of you know that she probably looked foolish in the eyes of those around as she worshiped her Savior? We worship through the tears. We worship through the heartache. We worship through the blessing. We worship in all things at all times. We don't worship because we're worthy. We worship because He's worthy. Amen. Finally, we have the spectators. How can you tell if you're a spectator and not a worshiper? Because you'll be critical of how other people are worshiping. And without realizing it, we're not worshiping at all. How many times have we been in a place or an atmosphere of worship, but simply chose not to? The temperature is too hot. It's too cold. The music is too loud. It's too soft. The song selection is too old. It's too modern. They didn't play my favorite song. They sang the song for too long. On and on and on it goes. And so we become spectators. We become spectators when we become critical. Critical of the environment, critical of the leaders, critical of other worshipers. Because at that point, we've made it about us and not about him. Look, you don't know the battle someone has had this week. We don't know what it took for the people in this room to be here. 
It may have been easier for you to get up this morning. But it may not have been. But I can tell you right now, because I know through relationships with people, that there are people sitting in the room right now that they struggled to get here today. And when those people burst out in some emotional thing in the middle of the worship, crying out to the Lord like this lady pouring out her alabaster jar on Jesus, we have a tendency to look down our nose. and you don't, We don't know. You don't know what it took for someone just to get out of the bed. When we become critical, we become spectators. Look, I get it. Scripture tells us, Paul tells us that in a corporate setting, things should be done in decency and in order. And we believe in order around here. But it doesn't have to be an either or. It can be a both and. Just because something is orderly doesn't mean it's not worship. I've been in the context of liturgy where people are undoubtedly going through the motions as they quote and read off of a paper or whatever. And to some, that's like, oh, this is not worship because it's not free, but I've sensed the presence of God because of what was coming forth. And I've certainly been in the atmosphere of chaos where people are running and flopping and doing their thing and speaking in every tongue and doing all the stuff. And I'm like, God's not even here. It's not an either or. It's a both. It's a both and. Just because something is orderly doesn't mean it's not worship. And just because something appears, appears a bit chaotic doesn't mean it's not worship. Now, most of you already know this if you've been around any length of time. I'm not given to sensationalism. If anything, I'm prone to be cynical. And so when people send me videos and say, watch this. My first response is this is probably not real. Before I watch it. That's my default. I'm prone to be cynical. I believe in authenticity. It's the first core value of our church. I believe in authentic worship. Worship that exalts the Father, lifts up the name of Jesus, and invites the movement and the working of the Holy Spirit. Not worship that promotes self. Now listen to what I'm saying. I sense God stirring. I told you that at the beginning of the year. What I feel God is doing and wants to do is completely unrelated to what's happening at Asbury University or these other colleges. And at the same time, it's also completely related. Because God has been stirring, saying there's going to be a breakthrough. There's going to be a breakthrough. That's why we chose that theme. That's why... Late into the year last year, when we begin to feel in our hearts, God stirring, breakthrough. And I told you the story. I resisted it. I didn't want that to be our theme. It was too churchy. It, did it. it just felt like, ugh. But what other word would describe what's happening is there's breakthrough happening in people's hearts, in their minds, in their lives. Revival, renewal, breakthrough, whatever you want to call it. God is moving. And so while we feel, and it's completely unrelated, the confirmation, it's completely related. God is doing something in the church. God has poured out His Spirit on the body of Christ. And so here's the question, taking us back to Luke. Will we be worshipers or will we be spectators? 
I choose to worship. I choose humility. I choose brokenness. I choose pursuit. But not just pursuit of the breakthrough. Pursuit of the Lord of the breakthrough. What if he doesn't come through like I want him to? Am I still going to pursue him? If he has never done anything else, has he done enough for me to remain broken and humble and say, God, all I have is yours. If you don't come through like I, like I want you to, if you don't respond to my will instead of me responding to your will, am I still going to pursue you? All the way here this morning, I was praying that the Lord of the breakthrough would be here, that miracles would transpire, that people's lives would be touched eternally. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that prayer. But even in light of this message, I stopped praying that. I said, God, I don't, it doesn't matter what you do. I just want to pursue you. Because if we pursue him, then everything else will take care of itself. When we shift from God being a sugar daddy to God being our father. When we shift from God, give me, give me, give me to God, whatever it is. When our pursuit shifts From miracles, from the miraculous, to just Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Will he heal? Yes, I believe he, he will. I believe he wants to. I believe it's provided in the atonement. But what if he does it? I still give you everything. If you don't do anything else, Jesus, you've already done enough. It's easy to say and that's hard to live. I know that. I know that it's hard to live, especially if you're in the middle of a battle right now and you feel like you don't know how you're going to get out of it. Jesus is enough. He's enough. He's enough. I sense his presence in the room. A heightened awareness that he's here. Would you close your eyes? Would you posture your heart? Just to receive from him whatever he wants to deposit into your life. Would you posture your heart and your mind to pursue him? God's touching. He's touching people's lives. Listen, it's okay to release that today. It's okay to release those emotions. Some of you feel overcome right now by the presence of the Lord, and it's okay to release that. Somebody may want to come and kneel at this makeshift altar. You may want to kneel at your seat. You may want to lay down, prostrate before the Lord. I don't know what God wants to do. And some of you may like, I'm getting out of here, and that's okay too. If you got to go, we bless you in the name of Jesus and there's no condemnation or no, we don't look down people's noses. But if you're in a place where you say, you know what, I want to pursue God and I want to do it differently than I've ever done it before, I invite you into this moment to pursue Him. You may want to stand and lift your hands. You may, again, you may want to kneel. You, I don't know what you might want to do. But I want to tell you right now, 
I'm not, again, I'm not given to sensationalism and I'm not doing something because something's happening in other places. That's not, we don't do that. This is not comparison. This is not anything other than the river of God is flowing. And if we want to get in, it's time to get in. Jesus, would you move in our midst? God, may you be enough. If you never do anything else, may you be enough. but some of you are in the middle of the fire and it's hard and you don't know how you're going to come out of it but when you come out you're going to be pure gold gold in the name of Jesus pure gold refined by the fire never the same again in the name of Jesus refined by the fire your goal. You're coming out, goal. You're coming out, goal. You're coming out, goal. You're coming out, goal.
you're enough. Take whatever you desire. like you need a fresh touch from the Lord I want to invite you down to this altar we're just going to pray that the fire of God would touch your heart and your life maybe you've been cold for a little while things have felt sort of stagnant we talked about that last week but as we consecrate ourselves we begin to God begins to roll away we begin to move there's movement that takes place if you're hungry and thirsty for a touch from the Lord and you've been cold and dry for a while, I want to invite you to come to the front. We're just going to pray that God will move. If you need healing in your body, we're going to pursue the Lord and the breakthrough, but we're also going to pursue the breakthrough. We're going to pray that healing power, that the gift of healing that Paul talks about in Corinthians would manifest itself, that the gift of miracles would manifest itself. The river is flow. If you need a touch from God, now's the time. Don't let it pass you by. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.